Welcome to Kineo Stream of Thought. I'm Paul Wesley, Solutions Consultant at Kineo, and today we'll be reviewing Learning Technologies 2018. I'm pleased to say I'm joined by Andy Costello, Account Director, Seth Dickens, Senior Lead Learning Designer, Tom DeFellin, Learning Platforms Consultant. So I guess the best place to start is uh, explaining what Learning Technologies 2018 is. For us, it's probably the biggest week of our year, um, but I'm aware that people from maybe overseas won't be fully aware of, of the show. So, um, Andy, maybe you want to give us a quick potted history of uh, what LearnTech is? Thank you. I'm probably qualified for the history, having been in the industry for far too long. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, I joined um, Learning Technologies in about sort of... Uh, 18 years ago, actually, so 2000. My first learning technologies was probably about nine years ago. It has grown massively. So it's a, it's our biggest international conference. It's uh, also a floor of exhibitions and stands where learning technology providers all get together and demonstrate and talk about their latest innovations and, and really see and start to steer where the industry is going. And I, and I guess we sort of split that into a, a few parts, don't we? So we have... Uh, the main exhibition, if you like, where, as you say, people show not just what they've been working on, but maybe where they think things are going and, and showcase some of their um, previous work. But also there's a sort of a parallel thread where there's a sort of a conference upstairs. I know, Seth, you went to some of the conference sessions that maybe we could talk about a bit later on. Yeah, yeah, sure thing. There, there's a, uh, quite a few really good uh, sessions upstairs that are separate to the stuff downstairs. Um, they have kind of invited speakers and stuff who are giving some really great forward-thinking uh, ideas to, to get you considering ways to keep on developing the sort of learning and things like that that we're making here. Yeah, it's always interesting where you've got the upstairs talking about what, what might be coming, almost what we're going to see on the exhibitions next year or maybe the year after that. So I think sometimes people come down and look at the exhibition and think, well, I'm not seeing what they're talking about upstairs. But that, that's kind of natural, I guess. Yeah, I think, I think one of the things about it is, is this idea that it's giving you a bit more, it's broadening your horizons rather than what's, what's happening right now or what, what is immediately coming up they have downstairs. This is more uh, opening your mind, getting you to try and creatively think about new things to offer in perhaps the medium term. Yeah, I was just going to add there that sometimes they never do see what they're talking about upstairs because of the nature of the business. Sometimes, you know, there are great ideas that, 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 that spring from upstairs but are just never able to to be um, come to fruition because of, you know, the industry moves on or it doesn't move on or um, there are different advances in technology or innovation or budgets just aren't there. And um, it's interesting to see that in some in many ways, the conversations I was having with clients, a lot of people were saying that just, you know, nothing has changed. Um, because ultimately learning is learning. It's just how people are learning, which has changed. I think that's what we're going to talk about more today. Okay, so well, let's, let's get on to that now then. So what did we see that was maybe fresh and new? Maybe if we pick um, maybe one thing each that we picked up on or interested us? I'll give it a go, um, only from layman's terms, because you're far more technologically savvy than I am, Tom, so please shut <laughs> me down, correct me if I'm wrong. For my interpretation of an ecosystem is that it's a, it's a, a connection of uh, an array of anything and everything, um, interconnected resources, um, of which one thing may be a learning management system, another thing may be a library of assets, another thing may be um, a whole uh, CSM system, whatever it might be. Um, the ecosystem is basically a place where people learn. Um, and what it is doing, it's, it's hopefully trying to bring learning on demand into the workplace. So it's not about having a destination where people go to and are therefore tracked and forced into mandatory learning or pushed information. It's uh, giving them the ability to kind of pluck information and learning when they need it, as they need so it. So from the very nature of what you've just described there, 
um, surely many of our clients already have parts of an ecosystem in place. Are you saying that maybe they just need to think about how they map that out and identify what's missing? Yeah, I think it's more about how we learn in everyday life, and yet there is a distance between, for some reason, how we learn in everyday life and how we do it in the workplace. I was in, in a job um, some years ago, and we were on a work bonding session, and, and um, the team were tasked to do an activity, and there was a collective groan when all of us realised we couldn't do it. And then the newest member of the team went on Google, found out how to do it, and we won the task. And, of course, we do this every day at home. If we've got something we need to do, mend a leaky chat, whatever it is, we go on Google, we find out how to do it. And at the workplace, we go, oh, I haven't had my learning about this. I don't know. I need to go on a course or I need to, you know. Um, and actually, if you can somehow replicate, I'm not suggesting you can replicate an internal Google into the workplace, but um, yes, have, a, have a, uh, an intelligent connection of all your learning assets and resources. And we start thinking like we do outside of work, which is, I need the information now, let's get it. Then you'll get it and you'll be able to do what it so is. Is, is that the sort of thing you were seeing, Tom? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people wanting it to, to be done within systems. Um, I saw a, a cracking talk on the, uh, the learning ecosystem. And I felt it looked at it from a much more holistic point of view rather than a, uh, a single piece of technology point of view or, or a, a joined up piece of technology point of view. And I think it's, it's very interesting. I mean, a large part of my job is to gather requirements from customers uh, when we create a new learning management system mm. for them. And part of gathering that requirement is fully understanding their current uh, learning model and, and mm. learning ecosystem, if you like. Now, I think a, a really good way of explaining it is a lot of a lot of clients, certainly not not all clients, but a lot of clients might see their learning um, comprising of, you know, their, their internal company learning comprising of e-learning and instructor-led training. So web-based training, instructor-led training. And they try and shoehorn in social because that was a cool thing two years ago, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. so they, they, they kind of would shoehorn social maybe into that. But but generally, people would look at stuff as in either web-based or, or instructor-led. And I think that goes back to the start of web-based training. And I suppose typically we've seen a balance of that go from instructor-led to web-based over time. Um, and... I think an ecosystem actually is is looking at at the whole model and looking at how you incorporate every single um, bit of learning that people do into one system. And I think looking at that just from an understanding point of view, from a from a holistic point of view, is really interesting because you mentioned googling stuff. I mean, you, I suppose you can't formalize mm. googling something, but it is part of an ecosystem. Mm. Using using a search engine sure. is part of somebody's learning. You know, if if I have if I'm trying to formula, uh, you know, formulate an Excel document at work and I don't know how to put a certain formula in, I'm just going to Google how to do that. But yeah. isn't that the whole point now of, of how people are learning, which is people are wanting learning on demand at the point of need? And I know that's often been talked about for, for, for many, many years. We just haven't been able to provide yeah. it. And an ecosystem is, a, is about giving that. So people who are coming into work, into the workplace now, the industry now, these guys and girls, they're going to be experienced and used to finding information as and when they need it, when, whenever they need it. That's not traditionally how people have learned in the workplace. Mm. And that's what I think people need to now recognise and therefore hopefully replicate. Yeah, I mean, if I can, if I can come in there, because one of the key topics or, or key threads that I saw throughout LearnTech this year was very much the talk around um, artificial intelligence and machine learning, which if, if you take what Tom's saying there about how many different parts or components there are to this whole ecosystem pulling it all together, Andy, you've said about searching and how do we find this stuff, well, this is almost the layer above that, which is, well, we know there's a load of information there. How do I find the learning that's right for me? 
and that's fine. If, if and I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but you said about Google, Google's fine if I know what I'm searching for. But I think what these guys were trying to say is, well, what if that person doesn't know what they're searching yeah. for at this point? Mm-hmm. How do they find it? How do we deliver the training up for them? So I watched a really interesting presentation um, by the guys at IBM who were talking about Watson. So, you know, I, I don't pretend to know ex- exactly how this technology works, but ultimately it's a, um, a machine learning engine that sits in the background and does a whole load of number crunching based on information it's got and then almost offers up personalised training for people. Um, what I found really cool about it was that, you know, it doesn't matter which LMS you've got, which system you've got, how what your ecosystem looks like, the Watson engine can sit in the back of that and do all of that thinking, if you like, for everybody. Um, and, and, and I thought what was quite interesting was that the second you say AI, it, it, was, it was almost a word association game. People said, oh, you mean like Alexa? Oh, you mean like Amazon when it tells me I've ordered a pillow, therefore I need to order a pillowcase? And that wasn't what they were talking about at all. They were saying that stuff is so shallow um, uh, branching, if you like, it's not actually that intelligent. So you're talking more about a curation tool almost. It's curating relevant uh, information. Not, not, I'm not talking about those, the aggregation tools that are out there that, that sometimes claim to be curation tools. It's actually more intelligent than that. So yeah, yeah. So, so if I give you an example. So what, what I saw was um, if I've been in industry for, I don't know, 15 years and I've got, an, I've got my account on the LMS, so it knows all of the training I've done. Okay, that, that's, that's great. Um, but what it then did was, okay, here's your current job. What, what are your aspirational roles? Where do you want to actually try and get to? And obviously it knows what skills I need or credentials I need to be able to hit that new role. But then it says, well, okay, well, you're on Twitter an awful lot as well, though, and you do lots of Google searches, and you did it. Oh, and in your previous job, you did this, 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 this. So it knows a lot about mm. everywhere I am um, and then pulls all of that information together and then creates a learning plan based on that. And then go further than that, it then says, well, actually, based on your previous five courses you did, you tend to get better results first time when you watch the video first. So for you, I'm going to serve up the video first. Mm-hmm. Seth, I know you get better results when you read something. So you know what, for you, I'm going to give you a document to read instead. It was really quite fascinating. I think it's really powerful. I think as well that could be really useful for career development as not just learning development, but, you know, imagine if you could then plot your career path and say, okay, you want to get to this level of the business, you uh, need to be doing this, this and this, and I would therefore recommend you do it in this order or whatever. If if I can just, almost like you're planted there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, I promise. But um, that was another level of it. So what they had on there was, here's my role. I'm hearing lots about these role so I'm I don't know let's say I'm um, HR manager and I want to move into the training side of things it knows what skills I've currently got it knows what skills I currently need it told me how close I was to those skills Mm. and recommended other courses or other bits of learning or other assets I might want to look at that help me move towards that aspirational role and in IBM's case they took it one step further because they then actually linked that off to live job postings where people could actually apply Mm. for a role within that company and they said that their their attrition rates were dropping through the floor because people are thinking well I'm not bored in my job and if I am Mm. This Let's find another role within the same company. I remember being involved in a project years ago for another company, creating something from scratch for a large financial organisation that did this, and it was excruciatingly expensive and painful to do because, of course, you're hand-crafting everything, and this sounds like it does all that for you. So yeah, just, just, just one final thing that I would add to that, and I, and I think it's quite key, and that is this isn't about buying another system off the shelf and dishing everything you've got. Exactly. What was really cool was this is a technology that will enhance what you've already mm. got. So if we go back to the idea of what Tom said about ecosystems, you know, this is just one of those pieces that sits there yeah. and serves some of this stuff up. And, and I think that's kind of key because 
every time I go to LearnTech year after year, it's here's the learning system, management system you need. So check everything else to the bin, let's all start again. People don't want to do that because they've invested a lot of time and energy mm. and, and money into that. Where we can add value to systems that people already have in place, I think in a lot of cases that's where that's what people are, are, are winning. It's very similar with the... Um, I know there was a lot of talk about off-the-shelf content, mm. um, which which is interesting because yeah. last year was all around people developing stuff in-house. So yeah, well, I think this, just to go back to what you're saying, yeah, the learning management system, it's they don't want to buy another destination. The learning management system may be one part of an ecosystem. Off-the-shelf content may be another small part of yeah. an ecosystem. It's all about creating or curating these things you've already got, integrating them, and maybe getting more, but... Um, providing a system where people can go to very, very quickly, very intuitively, and get everything they need. There's a big company that we're working with here, actually, at Kineo, um, uh, who are doing exactly that. They are not ditching all the amazing learning that they've developed over the previous few years. They've got a, a new uh, a new system to kind of wrap it all up in, right. but they're developing new little bits of content to then tie it together and, and build a really nice kind of flow all through the uh, the, the really good stuff that they've built over the years. You know, what, what's the point of ditching it? Because actually, adding to what you're saying, Paul, I think it, it's exactly that. It's it's getting new ideas in influencing what you've got already because the searching for a formula for Excel, that is always going to be there, that yeah. sort of need. So, you, yeah. you know, we, we've got to recognise how things actually work in the real world. So are they calling that an ecosystem? Because this is the term, the buzz phrase of the industry at the moment, and that's what we're, this all comes down to for this. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Actually, I've never heard that, that uh, yeah, mentioned yeah, yeah, yeah. by them, but <laughs> Which it, is it's doing that sort of thing. Great, yeah. great. It just shows you there are buzzwords that stick and, and some that maybe aren't as usual. Sure. Seth, um, maybe, maybe we'll bring you at this point because you, you probably spent more time than maybe the other three of us Literally looking around and, and sort of feeling the uh, the vibe of the place, what people were talking about, what the buzz was, and certainly you were upstairs in the conference as well. So, what what tended to be stuff that um, piqued your interest upstairs? Um, well, upstairs, uh, I I went there. To be honest, with a, with a bit of an open mind, uh, it's always so good up there. There's always so much stuff uh, to to take take in and chew over. Um, what I saw that, that there was a real sort of emphasis on evaluation this okay. year, which is really interesting. Personally, you know, I, I think for for a few years now, I've been wondering, you know, why don't we actually test and figure out if this stuff is uh, that we're building is actually kind of hitting the nail on the head and 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 getting those results that companies are investing so much for. And so recently at Kineo, we have been looking into uh, to doing a. Uh, a new way of evaluation, you know, actually getting evaluation into courses. And there was an awful lot upstairs about that. One talk in particular had some really interesting things, uh, talking about the whole kind of Kirkpatrick stuff. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the, to be honest, that it's time to ditch that. We've tried, we've been hitting away, and nobody is doing it. No one's going above that first level of, you know, are the learners happy? Or, or maybe, you know, other people who are commissioning the learning happy. Uh, so there, there's a whole new, uh, quite good practical way of of actually getting um, evaluation into the learning, which is something that we're now going to be looking into, uh, to rolling into a lot more of our standard courses that we're, we're building. I was just going to ask you that, sir. Tell me they're moving away from Kirkpatrick levels three and four, and if so, how? are they? Were there examples of how they're... They're measuring return on investment. That's the big one. Um, people, as you say, people can easily me measure whether a learner is happy or impressed by the learning. You can also tend to measure how uh, speedily somebody is, 
you know, raise their confidence level. And you should probably be able to measure long, longer term performance. But the big one everybody talks about, I think, is level four, which is you know, business impact. True business impact. Yeah, return yeah. on investment. Did they talk about that? Um, yeah, they did. And, and actually, one of the things they, they said, like with any model, that I thought was really interesting that we shouldn't be ditching Kirkpatrick because it's useless. Or old. We, we, or, or old or whatever. We should be ditching Kirkpatrick because it's not happening. So ah. the, the, those same four levels, they're important. And you know, like with any model, you need to have the levels are there almost as kind of a, a label. Mm. So, you know, we have that mm. ADDI model, which is the instructional design model. And that's because you've got to do a bit of analysis. You've got to do some design, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. the, the Kirkpatrick levels are there to say, it is important to check that the learners are happy. It's important to check that you're, you're getting improved performance. So all of those things need to stay behind. But what they've done is a far more granular way, uh, far, far easier to sort of apply to each stage. I, I can't remember. It was uh, maybe even 72 little things wow. that you've got to do. So obviously, in a standard project... 70 uh, yeah. <laughs> is that what you're telling me? Yeah, it's like there's a big boss at the end or something. But like. I think there's a really good point you're making, is that, that those levels of, of evaluation are now um, inherently put into the learning design as they should be so mm -hmm. we are looking at uh, measuring uh, that and we're ensuring that we follow those guiding principles when we design something we make sure that the learner is going to be happy that exactly there is measurable things we can get out the back of it but therefore retrospectively people aren't doing these things because there is a need and the, what you're saying is that there's now another kind of guiding principle to to help that if, if can i Chip in at that second, um, maybe pick up something you just said there, Andy. It's all about we should have in mind, you know, what, what we're actually trying to achieve, what difference we're trying to make, what changes we're trying to make in, in people's behaviour, for example. One of the things that I noticed, and I know Tommy might want to come in at this point as well, was that there was an awful lot of VR again this year, and, and, and what, in inverted commas, you know, the cool stuff. I wonder if I actually saw anything that was meeting those needs that you're talking about, Andy, rather than just lots of examples of, doesn't this stuff look cool? Yes, I agree. I saw plenty of uh, companies offering VR. Um, I actually had a, a go on a couple, and one of them was exactly the same as, uh, as they were doing last year. I mean, actually the same demo. demo um, which, which was a good demo, but it just shows that perhaps it's not moving on that quickly. Or, um, or the industry isn't looking at that demo and yeah. thinking, okay, for my business, I could use something similar to achieve X. Yeah. Well, isn't it more that there were, there's always been, for the last few years, a stand with some VR on it, which has been the thing, to be fair, which has enticed a lot of people onto those stands to have a play on something. So a lot of um, the traditional providers have had a VR provision on the stand, but what the difference is this year is that there are actually VR companies that are now demoing and exhibi exhibiting at Learning Technologies. So they have they have now entered into the Learning Technology industry themselves okay. rather than just sort of partnering somebody up and... and yeah, okay, can I, I'll play devil's advocate a little bit there because I, I, would, I, would, I would argue that I would put... The, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, but I would put them in the same bracket as, for example, this year, something I saw I thought was very different was lots of animation companies, lots of uh, video production companies, not training companies. They, they were companies that offered... Mm. An element that were probably really difficult for people to do in-house. So there was a lot of talk about um, in-house development and teams taking learning back in-house. In fact, I watched uh, an excellent um, presentation from three companies in the, uh, the conference upstairs, which was exactly about that. And in every case, all three of those companies identified, yes, we don't do it all in-house, but 
we know our limits. We know we can't do the high-end high video stuff. We wouldn't know where to start with VR, uh, and we'd probably bring someone in to do animations, for example. So I think the VR companies that are there have the technology and are shown off the technology, but don't necessarily at this stage have the mm. learning design? Is that, is that unfair? Yeah, I think so. They're, you're right. They're, they're experts in their own field, and I, I know which you is know, great for us because it means we can partner you, with those. Well, guys. absolutely. This is it. And two of the two of the, you know the big learning providers that I know of um, with personal experience have done that. They've either acquired or have partnered specialists in that in that sphere rather than necessarily investing in the capability internally themselves. It's a big, expensive thing to do to get right. Um, but yes, I think you're right. I think the people that, that do that maybe don't necessarily specialise in learning design. It's about creating the asset. And you know what? I, I don't want to be the doom monger here, guys, <laughs> but uh, I, I took a look at some of the, the VR stuff that was going on. Um, there, there was one guy in particular that was demonstrating a, a really kind of cool bit of VR stuff. You could see what was going on. Mm. But it was really weird as an outsider to look at this guy rolling around on the floor with a conference full of people <laughs> all walking around. It's like, hey, there's real human beings here that you could be learning from, you could be chatting to, connecting with, and yet you're, you're in this kind of otherworldly state. Yeah. And I wonder, actually, it, you know, if this could ever take off in the real world. Or I, I think there are a, a clear examples where I can absolutely see it being the only option. For example, you know, I'm fixing an undersea oil rig you know it's very hard to do that you said for where safety is an issue yeah. and obviously if you you know you look historically you've got flight simulators realistically what they are is almost a a, a big virtual environment mm -hmm. a big simulation without a headset on so, so I, I get your point however it can feel a little bit stilted at times where it's this is cool we need to try and make it fit rather mm -hmm. than how can we not solve this problem ah well maybe vr can solve that for us mm. yeah so you don't you don't want to be kind of thinking of the, the, the everyday soft skills training where you can have some really cool stuff happening with video, with, mm. with all sorts of other ideas, but you know, disconnecting people, sticking a, a, a set of, uh, of goggles on them to, to, yeah, to, to remove them really from the actual reality. I think that's right. And just to, just to finish off that point, um, we've got our partners, uh, we partner Make Real Media, mm -hmm. who have done exactly that with a big energy firm. Um, when you're working on a nuclear reactor, perfect, safe, uh, and it's realistic. And I remember seeing uh, a piece where the nuclear reactor itself is, is vast, or that the piece of work they were doing is a piece of vast machinery, and actually they're working on something very small, and then when they see the final piece, it goes to its normal size. But so, so back to your original point, yes, was it more of a kind of a, the VR that was there, an attention grabber, getting people onto the stands, getting people talking, but how much worth does it really have in learning provision at that event? I'm not so, sure. So just um, obviously bringing this back to sort of learn tech um, sort of overall. So it felt much busy, busier and bigger than normal to me, Andy. Do you, would you agree with that? Oh, it's vast. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And of course, that's that sort of kind of suggests certain things. One is that the industry is getting more competitive than ever, which is a challenge for us, but one I think we, we thrive on and, and we, we look forward to. Um, but there, it means there are other people kind of there. And I know there was, um, there was more kind of presence of recruitment um, agencies there this year, which I think says, you know, speaks to growth industry. Growth industry, um, talent acquisition, people are looking now to recruit within these conferences. Whereas before, I know we, you, we would sit in the stand, wouldn't we, or stand on the stand, and people would come up and say, Hi, um, can I give you my CV? Are there any jobs going? And it was kind of a, 
uh, one of those conversations where you go, not really uh, what we're here about. Now you've got stands with recruitment agencies that are actually spending a lot of money going there and seeing it as a... As and a and, and teams that are bringing recruitment staff along with them. I mean, that might be something we want to consider mm-hmm. in a, at a future event. You know, we've got those people there. It's a captive audience, really. Yeah. They're looking for that job. Let's, let's talk directly to them. And you know what? With the size of it, actually, I think if anyone listening to this is planning on going to one of these events uh, next well, year... Yeah, don't, don't, don't go to where it was this year because it was not there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. That'd be the first thing. Oh, sorry, um, I think it's... It's always good to go there with with a purpose, you know, to not not to just go down, go around and sort of baffled look at Great. everything. Um, I I went there trying to look out for stuff to do with video this year because it's you know it's a it's, it's a, a specialism passion. that yeah. we're we're really working on here. Um, yeah, it's a personal passion as well, and and I think that that but you know not not the video for me, but necessarily, but just going there with an idea to go and, and look out for that because it good. is so huge mm. that you can just get lost wandering around otherwise. So if you go there. Uh, searching for something specific, you can actually uh, get a bit more out of that. So, for example, I, I found a couple of video providers that I thought were, were really was a really good example of um, the good and bad way of, of doing video for learning. So, there's this one company that's a specialist video company. They just make it. Uh, they just make video for learning. Um, had some really great ideas. You know, it was, it was again, it was all about the the human. It's all about that kind of uh, anthropological connecting with people, getting some emotion into that stuff. Uh, the guy was talking about, you know. We should be, you know, so much of the, the video that we're making is all about the head, but actually you've got to get the heart into it. If sure. you get that, um, of course. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it yeah. was great stuff. On the flip side of that, I saw another company making interactive video, um, which, in all honesty, it was shocking. It was re- it was just poor, kind of a bunch of flashy things thrown together, um, a bunch of buttons that would come up on screen and kind of interrupt the whole flow of the learning. It was like an old-fashioned page-turner course, you, you, but done in video. I was, I was just going to say, you, 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 what you're describing there was the page-turner course with... We need to make this interactive. Let's chuck a drag and drop in. Yeah. And it felt, but that, that was, you know, but that was the early days of, yeah. of, you know, look where we've got to now. And I think you're right. I think video will go the same way. There'll be lots of trial and error and a mm. bit, actually, why are we doing this? Yeah. You know, and it, in bells a lot and of cases, whistles for bells and whistles sake. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I don't think we should lose sight of the fact that with any piece of video, really, if you look at, if you look at the news even these days, so there's a you know a lot of the footage on there is shot on video I've shot on mobiles excuse me um not great quality it's all about the sound because people have, mm. have got to be it's mm. the sound is as important as the visuals and dare I say it, it's about this is a cliche but it's about the storytelling isn't it it's yep. about getting that emotion the hearts and minds and you can do that um through a lot of media not just also fairly expensive relatively expensive um video production isn't there somebody that's just released a movie shot entirely on iPhone yep I yeah. can't remember who it is now, but that would be interesting. Well, not, to just, see it, not just shot on iPhone, but it was edited on uh, iPads well, as there well. There you go. Yeah. 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 I'm that, that is exactly what we're doing here as well. You know, And this this guy from the Good Video uh, standards was also saying, you don't always need us. You know, you don't always need this uh, thousands of pounds worth of video. Something that we're doing here is is actual like little one-minute bits of video, speaking to key people yeah. in the company, encouraging our, our clients themselves to go you know, to go and, and chat to people, getting little snippets and, and, and wrapping it in. Okay, well, you know, obviously this conversation can go on a long time. We could go around every stand and say what we did and didn't see and, and what we liked and we didn't like. I think maybe it'd be really nice for us to end, sorry to put you on the spot here, guys, but maybe end with what one message or what one theme did you pick up on this year that you expect to see maybe as a real growth for the industry, maybe at Excel next year, maybe the following year? Andy, maybe you want to take that first? Oh, I knew you'd say me. Um, <laughs> 
I don't know whether this is going to be true, but what I would like to see, refreshingly, is a little less. So less about the thing, you know, the, the gimmick, dare I say it, the, the next big thing, less of that, um, and more about, oh, I'm going, guys, what, what is it? This is about what people learn. We talked about emotion quite a bit today. We talked about giving people learning at the point of need, um, when they need it, um, you know, uh, performance support, how we learn in real life. How we learn in real life now is about using a search engine. We don't need masses of expense, VR simulations. Um, so I'd like to see more of a focus on the learner, and I know what we do here, we take very, very seriously is putting the learner at the heart of the learning. It's, it's got to be the learner that's driven and inspired. Um, do you need masses of expense and investment and technology to do that? I'm not so sure. Seth? So I'm really gutted because Andy has said more or less exactly <laughs> what I was thinking of saying. Oh, now you are so, on the spot then. Yeah. So what I'm going to say instead is, is that evaluation. So obviously we've got to make sure it's not all about the flashy, flashy bling bling. It's, it's, it's got to be about the learner. And to do that, we've got to set out thinking uh, right from the very beginning, you know, how are we going to make sure that this great idea focused on the learner is going to work? So thinking about a bit of evaluation, uh, thinking about what are the real aims and objectives and making sure that at every step of the learner journey, it's measurable and you can see, yes, someone, someone's achieved something and they're able to, uh, to, to show that. And measurably show that, demonstrably show that, yeah. Sorry, yes, I know, I just, <laughs> Seth inspires me. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> So, yeah, my biggest takeaway, I think, was uh, this is a bit left field from some, some of the stuff I've been talking about, but the app-based app based learning. Right. So we're, I'm working on app projects, selling app projects, and I think typically the app projects I'm getting in at the moment are people who are putting their own content that they've had historically onto an app. And I think the thing that I'm anticipating a change in is how people consume learning on that app. It's got to be a lot shorter. I think mm. no more than five minutes for a video, no more than ten for a piece of learning at maximum. Mm. If you're then having such short bits of content, we have to be thinking about how we dish out that content, which brings us all the way back to the ecosystem, back to the stuff you're saying, Seth and, and Andy, where um, we're, we're personalising it for people. You know, We're delivering it to people, maybe delivering it just to the app rather than in any other mm. learning management system. It's dangerously close to the phrase micro-learning, which is all about 2017, but uh, we've moved on. <laughs> well. So for me, I think that where the real growth area is going to be is around actually putting into practice the machine learning and the AI stuff that I saw this year. So, as I said, I, I got an idea of where this could go, um, but imagine this going uh, full, full circle and going back to making truly personalised learning. I don't just mean suggesting courses to people, but if you broke those courses down into almost chapters or even smaller segments than that, where it's dynamically creating content based on the way you learn and what you need to do. The guys at Filtered are working on something very similar, but imagine people being able to do exactly that and it creating courses for you based around your specific need. Um, and I think that, for me, is something that I'm going to be watching very closely next year. If you'd like to carry on the conversation, you can catch up with us on Twitter, where we're at Kineo. I'm pleased to say that following on from LearnTech, we will again be offering our week of webinars this year. They run from the 26th of February to the 2nd of March. Feel free to sign up on kineo.com. I'm doing one of them as well. <laughs> <laughs>